Welcome to the Making a Runner podcast. I'm your host, Nick, a running specialist by kineticist and coach. And I'm a co-host, Davey, aka Davey on the Run. Through our shared knowledge and experience, we unpack the fascinating topic of running. We speak to coaches, athletes, subject matter experts, and everyday enthusiasts to help you improve your running. And ensure that you enjoy every step of the way, wherever the road or trail may take you. This is how runners are made. It's how runners are made, baby. Oh yeah. Here and there. Here and there. Mm. But this is like a (laughs) full-blown comrade supporter extraordinaire. And Mm. I would have to say, I often describe comrades as being the race that brings South Africa together. Mm. And it represents South Africa at its finest. And so if you want to really showcase the full possibilities of the South African public and community, come and run comrades because it is us at our very best. Goosebumps. Nicola! Davide, how are you, bro? My friend, we haven't chatted in a while. Friend. You've been quiet. It's been, it's been a while, hey. It's um, yeah. it's been busy here in the Cape. Training's been hard. My coach has been uh, overloading me. <laughs> yeah, the coach has been ever so present. Uh, it's the first time you've had a plan to follow. <laughs> a plan to follow, and the first time because I've been so far away that I haven't questioned the program and just got on and done it. Yeah, except my, my, my fear of you moving to Cape Town became reality. The fact that there's uh, a running crew every day for morning and evening means that Davey is now running overloaded all of the time. You feel I've, Every time I look at Instagram, this guy is running. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be careful with that here in Cape Town. Um, but I think the, the novelty is slowly wearing off. Um, I think, uh, yeah, the, the running clubs are great, but uh, I, I like my routine of going to bed at 8 o'clock every single night. And the running clubs, yeah, like to run until like 7, half or 7 p.m. So it's it's been fun, but I'm tapering off. That, and, hey. and, and yes, Nick, today is 10 days to go until our Cape Peninsula Marathon. And let me ask you, how are you feeling, sir? <laughs> yeah, we, we started the taper. We started to sort of deload our training a bit. Um, you know how it feels. It's uh, that time in your training block where you're not quite 100% sure if you've done enough. I personally feel like I'm, I'm in good shape. I've trained well. We've, I've, we've trained less this time around for this marathon that we have in previous marathon training, but I feel like it's gone really well. The body isn't as tired. Um, Davy has just uh, leveled up. Um, uh, I'm a bit scared of um, how race day is going to go. I'm definitely going to get a big fat beating on race day, but uh, that's okay. I'm going there to beat my own personal time. I'm not going there to beat Davy. That's what I tell myself. Eh, Davy, how are you feeling? Yeah, you see, I love the fact that I'm. You see, guys, I'm in his head. Eh, I'm in his head. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm I'm thousands of kilometers away, but 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 I can hear that's all he's thinking about. I'm not racing. Your numbers baby. have been speaking. Your yeah, numbers have I been speaking from themselves. My, I just need Nick to bring my ASA license to Cape Town um, <laughs> because I'm still registered as a dolphin, and um, the fate of my marathon um, is is uh, tightly in Nick's hands because if he doesn't that bring my right. ASA license, then I, I I'm not running. But yeah, my I may, training's I may good. just swap the ASA licenses around <laughs> so that I've got yours because I'm sure you've yes. done that to me before. So I think yes. I'll do that and then I'll Once I'll claim before. the better time. Once before, yes, and and I got a DNF, which meant you got a DNF. That was amazing. But but yeah, training's been good. Uh, I'm also feeling very strong. 
Um, I'm, I'm feeling very hopeful. I'm feeling nervous. But I was chatting to our good friend, Yvette Fonzel, this morning. Uh, she was just asking how the training was going. So I told her, it's been going good, but, but I'm nervous. And Yvette just reiterated, nerves are good. Nerves, nerves mean you have respect, you know, tolerance. Mm, true, um, so true. that is important. But one thing I've also, you know, been thinking about is it's one thing training for a marathon, half marathon, comrades, whatever, you know, training, training can be controlled, you know, training, you can pick your days, you can, you can control it to some extent, but you're still going to go there on race day and whatever race day throws at you, you're still going to go out and do that sub 245 or do that sub 240 or do that three and a half hour, whatever your goal is. So yeah, 10 days to go, and then we'll let the training yeah. talk for itself and, and see what happens. Yeah, that's the race day mentality. Unfortunately, there's nothing else that we can do, but that's what I've been telling a lot of my athletes is just, you know, race day is exactly that. It's a celebration of all your training. You should be excited about the fact that you got to the race because that is the hardest exactly. part of the injury actual training. And, it, and injury no free, fit strong yep. not praying for no sickness over the next yep. two weeks and yep. then all you can do is just go out there enjoy race day don't overthink it and uh also there's nothing you can do about the weather so we know that uh, cape peninsula is notorious for a strong headwind so i've got my <laughs> weatherman in constantia <laughs> keeping me updated on the hey, daily man, uh, this, so. this weather this weatherman <laughs> doesn't even know how to use wind goo so i, I think you need to ask <laughs> no someone chance. Else. No, right, sure. but David, we're not here to talk about Cape Peninsula. We're not here. We're actually, Let's, please we, tell us about our not, guest today. We, <laughs> we're not here to beat around the bush with small marathons. <laughs> we are here yes. to talk about the ultimate human race. And yes, guys, as 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 far as we have started this podcast, for as long as you guys have known us at Nick and Davy, you've known us to be quite passionate about running. And if that means, if we're passionate about running, it means that we're passionate about one other thing in this country, which is the big C, comrades, the ultimate human race. Big C. And <laughs> the big C. It's, it's the dominator of the running calendar. And today on the pod, we've got quite an exciting guest. She is an ex-winner of the comrades but she is also the chief jogger at comrades <laughs> at comrades jogger. house nowadays the <laughs> operations manager we've got ann ashworth on the podcast today and man i tell you what I, I was taken aback by this conversation yeah absolutely i mean what a what a privilege and what an honor to be able to chat to ann as the newly appointed race director of comrades marathon i think it's just such a fantastic choice to have, you know, Anne take up that position because she's been through it as a professional athlete and she loves the race. And comrades as an institutional run, you know, it'll always be institutional and it'll always have its fame. But it's about, you know, growing comrades and, and improving on comrades. And just the chat that we have, you know, with Anne, you can tell that it's not Anne, it's not comrades, it's, they, are, they are one, you know, one unit, one race, and everybody now is just trying to, you know, see what they can do to take comrades to the next level, and Anne is just amazing. She's already, you know, planted some seeds and, and you know, got a, a few little uh, insights which you guys will hear about in, in how she's improving the uprun this year. Um, I think mm -hmm. it is, it, you know, it's quite insane that Anne went from being a you know, an advocate <laughs> um, to 
a race director of comrades like literally overnight um no previous yeah. experience in race organizing but you know that also shows you you don't really need to have you know that kind of hectic experience but as long as you understand the sport um and have its best intentions then yeah i mean she's definitely well, right that's one thing job you know, she definitely understands the, the job. She understands the race. She's been a part of it for many years. She has finished nine comrades herself, uh, as previously mentioned, already winning one. And yeah, she's got a completely different insight that other race organizers perhaps didn't have prior to her. But it takes, it really does take uh, a whole village to raise a kid. And that's the thing with comrades. <laughs> it's not just Anne. It's, it's the Comrades Marathon Association. And, you know, we chat about what goes on behind the scenes. You know, as an athlete, you rock up to the Comrades Expo and you're wild. But there's an amazing expo that, you know, there's nothing like there's nothing else like it in this country. And then the race day itself is just incredible. I mean, there's people lining up for all 90 Ks of that race, cheering you on. It's, it's beyond belief, really. And this year, so far, there's 22,500 22, entries for the race. Obviously, the, it, we are going to go into uh, the, the phase where you can sub your entry in for people that no longer can actually do the race. But the numbers are looking healthy. The race is definitely on the up. And I think with Anne's insight, uh, the race can only go uh, forwards from here. And we really look forward to another fantastic edition of the race. And they're already planning many editions ahead yeah. of this one. Um, so, yeah, guys, it was just a really... Um, open conversation about the race this year, what you can expect, what small changes she's going to try and emphasize. And overall, uh, we get to learn a lot more about Anne as well as her coaching and her running journey. So uh, we hope that you guys enjoyed the show today. And as always, if you are a first-time listener of the podcast, make sure to go give us a follow at Making a Runner on Instagram. And if you have any insights or any information that you'd like us to take note of or any guests that you'd like us to bring on the show, make sure to send us an email at info at makingarunner.com. But and that yeah. being said, no, 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 no. And that being said, quickly, uh, the Making a Runner Roadshow or the podcast is flying to Cape Town next week and we are <laughs> going to be doing some Cape Town interviews. So if For you sure. have any Cape Town suggestions of who you guys would like us to chat to, please reach out um, yeah. as we have a small window to do that. But <laughs> if you have any suggestions, please let us know. Well, enough of us. If you're on your run, enjoy your run. If you're in the car on the way to work, enjoy your commute. But uh, here is Anne Ashworth. We hope you enjoyed, guys. Anne? Thank you so much for making the time to come and chat with us here today. We really appreciate you being in, in the studio. All the uh, way from PMB. Oh, that's a drive. <laughs> that is a drive. But uh, as we saw you, you're cruising here today in the, in the Comrade-sponsored... Wrapped up. Lim ...limousine. <laughs> as you should. You are the new race and event organizer. Are we correct in saying that? Race and operations, operations. manager. The chief manager. jogger. I am the chief jogger. <laughs> there we go. So tell, tell us a little bit about this gig. I mean, obviously, it's a pretty recent thing on your running agenda. And I mean, it's not every day that we get an, a previous Comrades winner uh, sitting in the, in the hot desk. So it's quite exciting for us to be chatting to you today. But today, we're going to be chatting to you about a different element of race day and i'm sure um you're going to learn as you go along with this uh, with this job but tell us a little bit about it what does this role entail and what does the chief jogger get to do 
Yeah, so the job is quite multifaceted because prior to COVID, Comrades had two aspects to it. So there was, first of all, a general manager position, which was really in charge of the business of Comrades. Um, so that would really be like running the office, you know, day-to-day type of office admin management, staff management, those sort of things. So there's that aspect. And then the second part of the role is really your race manager which is in your typical race organization sponsorship seeker etc and then in COVID due to budget constraints the two roles were consolidated so I am responsible basically from top to tail of comrades from finding sponsorships to spending the money that is sponsorships to HR legal procurement and even just making sure there's enough sure. toilet paper in the building, like <laughs> renovations, <I've had> renovations, <laughs> painting. Up, yeah, pretty much everything is is on my portfolio. Because I mean, it's quite interesting how Comrades runs. It's a proper organization from here to toe. I mean, you've got your own building in Maritzburg. Uh, there's the CMA, the Comrades Marathon, the Comrades Marathon Association. Um, how does the whole setup? work and and the structure of that sets up and where do you then fit into that structure does that mean that you as you say get to make the calls um do you guys meet on the regulars uh, and and decide on on key elements about the race and how do you see yourself fitting in into this new role yeah so Homer's marathon association obviously has been going for a very long time more than 100 years um and it's now currently registered as a non-profit company um, it has a oversight board, so an executive board, which meets once a month, and they're really in, in charge of the strategic decisions made at the at the you know at the at the highest level. Um, board members then have subcommittees um, divided into different portfolios, such as marketing, finance, heritage and traditions. Um, you know, more sort of on the ground type of portfolios. And again, within those committees, they decide against strategic decisions. So for example, I want to implement a new type of marketing policy. I've got to do a proposal. I think it's submitted to the marketing committee. Once the marketing committee has signed off on it, it then goes to a board level. And then only once you have board approval, can I actually roll it out? And then uh, I'm basically the board's microphone into the business. So basically that's how how the message is communicated down. But in addition to that, we have the ROC or Race Organizing Committee, which are the volunteers. There are about 60 of them who really are responsible for the race management. So here again, I'm talking about the split between comrades, the business, and comrades, the race. Um, And the Race Organizing Committee basically is yeah, but just under 60 individuals who really deal with the individual portfolio. So for example, start, finish, yes. um, refreshment tables, marshals, medical, yeah, those sort so of things. So much to do. And so we meet, um, ROC has an initial introductory meeting beginning of February, and then we meet once a month each month um, to discuss basically rollout of the plan and then twice in the month of May. Um, and then I have individual one-on-one communications with all 60 members to make sure that everybody's sticking to the plan, all the boxes have been ticked, et cetera, et cetera. So it is, it's an enormous task. So it's fair to say it's a full-time job. <laughs> 100%. So that takes away from, from your law background and, and being able to practice law, is that correct? So I'm not practicing law at all apart from reviewing sponsorship agreements. At the moment. <laughs> fair enough. I'm sure that helps to have that background. Yes, I mean, they actually have used me quite a lot in terms of revising internal politics and reviewing documents and things. Politics, internal policies. I was about to say, internal <laughs> politics. <laughs> internal Let's policies. Let's go into that. Yeah, <laughs> no, nothing juicy. Um, 
Yeah, so I actually have been amazed at how much legalese there is involved in my job. I, I don't know who was doing that previously, but there is a lot of legal stuff in there. Um, yeah, but but I think this half of the year is really race focused. So, yeah. so, so talk me through the process of getting into that into that seat because I mean, obviously, you ran comrades last year. You then you guys then made a move or were in the move or were were you already living in Joburg at the time? Yeah, and, and then. You obviously November news came out that you, you you were new into the position. So how did that process go? Yeah, so um, basically we moved back to Johannesburg from uh, Cowie's Hill in March uh, with the intention of after comrades I would be going fully back into my legal career, and then kind of that just didn't happen. Like I ran comrades, had a terrible run. Um, sort of took some time to myself just to sort of figure out what I wanted to do next because I really wasn't enjoying law um, and came down to run the Hollywood Bets 10K, which is like the beginning of September yes. or something, um, and then was asked whether I'd be interested in the position and if so, I needed to kind of apply for it. Um, and I thought, wow, this is out of left field, but I applied <laughs> for it and went through two rounds of interviews and yeah, it was then successful in my application and Sure, I actually couldn't quite believe it. I mean, even now mm. I'm like, gosh, like, really? It Did feels this happen? quite surreal. Yeah, like, I don't know how, uh, you know, an advocate kind of gets transported into this role. But, I mean, on the flip side, I have run for exactly. many years. I have managed two different elite teams. I have coached athletes for more than and 10 years. And you're passionate about comrades. And I love the sport. And yeah. I'm super excited about being able to contribute and I do feel that comrades really does have to lead from the front. Mm. So mm. major decisions that are being made in, in the running world, you know, we have to be a part of that um, because so many running South Africans are influenced by comrades. I mean, I, I just think it's awesome because it is such a, um, it, it is a traditional race, you know, and, and it has so much tradition to it that you obviously need to, uh, take into account uh, and make sure that that stays there. But we also have to make sure that Comrades does progress and does, you know, move ahead with the times and all of that. But tell me about the challenges. Maybe it's too soon for you to tell, but have you have you seen that tradition is something that will not budge? Um, and, and have you tried to suggest new things and, and maybe start new traditions? And is it something that they're, that they're open to or is it, you know, cock-a-doodle-doo <laughs> or the crow goes and and certain things are never going to change or or do you personally think there's there's you know some room for, room for improvement so first of all i just have to say i don't like to now distinguish between me and them like i am part of True, it yeah. now um and and you know i don't i don't want to say you know that i go one way and somebody yes. goes a different way because we are one but in terms of modernizing the race, look, I think that it's it's been said repeatedly that a new broom sweeps clean. And there's obviously a lot of pressure, someone coming into this position after 10 years um, of Rowan James, people expect to see big changes. People expect to see, you know, revamping, renovation, cleaning up, modernization. Oh, you've done that. You've <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coat of paint, you know. Um, but no, I mean, there's huge pressure on me to innovate um, and to really upgrade the race. And that's purely just because I'm a new person and mm. people expect the change. 
Um, but I think we have to be very careful in recognizing that comrades is comrades for a good yeah. reason. Mm. And the heritage and the traditions of comrades are a major attraction, both locally and internationally. So we have to stay true to a lot of our heritage and our traditions. But that doesn't mean we can't innovate and modernize. Mm. And so it's a very tricky and careful process that has to come together on how do we make it better without losing what makes it us. Well, let's start off with that. And if you don't mind me asking, and if you've got a newbie stumbled upon this podcast, has never heard of comrades, what would be your, your simplest way of defining what the ultimate human race is? So, I mean, I would say that it's the largest foot race, road-based foot race in the world. But I think our really distinguishing feature is our is the crowd support and aspect of it. Mm. Like if you have major races or major particularly ultra distance races, they're typically trail races and they're not particularly mm. well supported. You maybe get support here, you know, and, there. here and there. Mm. But this is like a full blown <laughs> Comrade supporter extraordinaire. And yeah. I would have to say, I often describe comrades as being the race that brings South Africa together mm. and it represents South Africa at its finest. Mm. And so if you want to really showcase the full possibilities of the South African public and community, come and run comrades because it is us at our very best. Goosebumps. Yeah, that's exactly that's what you want to hear. And in terms of comrades, this upcoming comrades race 2024, we've got 22,500 entries on that website. Um, you know, as of recording this, we've got 145 days till the start. I'm sure there's still, obviously, there's going to be substitutions and all of that. People that don't have an entry currently still going to get an entry. People that are struggling to get their training on board and people that are suffering with injury. And it, it's just one of those things that takes over the running world in, in our South Africa. Especially, especially in KZN. And in KZN. And I mean, I'm sure you've seen that being close to the race and so many times and winning the race yourself. It must it must hit you differently. You must have an emotional attachment to that race as well. Do you think that's going to help you in sort of guarding that race forward? I hope so. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of sort of nuances that you don't know unless you've been on the road. And mm. um, one of my core areas there are three core areas that I have for 2024 because you can't fix everything all at once so my three core areas for 2024 are the start the finish and the elite race and you don't know about the elite race unless you've been a part of it you don't know about running into the back of a motorbike or crashing into like the tv crew or whatever it is you don't know how noxious the air is at the front of the race from all the vehicles on the road you don't know what it feels like when one of the crowd supporters almost rugby tackles you from the side. Like those are things that are unique. Um, and so I'm really hoping that I'll be able to value add from that perspective. But I also think I can identify what is an important to a runner as opposed to what is important to a spectator or a race organizer or a marshal or a sponsor or any of those things. And it's really, I hope then that whatever we do is going to be to the benefit of the athlete. Well, one of those big calls came in early. Obviously, there was a lot of mutters. Is it going to be another down? Is it going to be an up? We eventually found out, hey, it's up run. First up run since 2019. Uh, what were the factors involved in that? The, the, the highway, or all the traffic, all the roadworks, did that play a major role in it? And where is that sitting at now? Are we Obviously, it's an up run, but how... how are comrades going to manage that difficulty? 
Yeah, so the roadworks are a major, major problem. There's actually roadworks now basically between the top of Polly Shorts and Sherwood. So almost <laughs> almost 90% of the race we've got anticipated roadworks, so it's a real, real challenge. Um, you know, the uprun makes logistics actually easier for us because the really narrow parts of the race and where there's the most traffic congestion in the morning is now actually in the second half of the race when the field is mm. far more spread out. Um, so from a safety perspective, that's actually to the benefit of athletes. Where there's a negative, though, is when athletes are leaving Peter Maritzburg in the evening and that massive congestion to get away from the finish. Um, which we are working on at the moment. But certainly in terms of race logistics, it should be easier to manage doing the uprun. Durban is a easier start venue in terms of getting athletes into their correct pens, making mm. sure that the buses drop the athletes off at the correct mm. start, free-flowing traffic away from the start to get them onto the road and seconding as they need to go. Whereas that congestion in Peter Marisburg, as was clearly evidence in 2023, we just couldn't handle the volume of runners with those roadworks. And so we are hoping for a much more easygoing start in 2024. So do you recommend, just talking about that congestion leaving, I've never done an uprun. He's one of those back-to-back medals with no uprun. I'm I'm a comrade's novice. (laughs) So now for other comrades' novices, do you recommend staying the night in Peter Maritzburg this year? So I would say anybody planning or (laughs) anybody who's likely to finish um, (laughs) over 10 hours, I would say probably book in Peter Maritzburg, Hilton. Yeah, definitely. Okay, but if you're going for a silver medal... <laughs> no, then you'll then be able to get out. You've got to get out there. You've got to get you out. Su- you need to hang around and support your whole club, bro. That's what you got to do. So you're going to be there till 12 hours. You're yeah. going to be there. Then you better book. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully okay. this time there isn't any dilemma with, you know, people not arriving at the stadium. And I mean, whatever happened to that? Did that just sort of disappear? or What dilemma uh, was this? I mean, there was the supposed supporters. to be like cutoff times that were wrong there was a whole bunch of things i ah. just read all over but you never know what's true or what's not tell true us, tell us what's tell yeah us the truth, look I, I have been into extreme detail the debriefs <laughs> and what happened in 2023 and a, a lot of it was mischaracterized in the media there certainly were problems oh, of course look i think there's there's two sides to every story um comrades is position on that was that we were rather going to apologize and make right rather than justify and explain and I think that's right because runners are always right but in terms of planning for 2024 we did need to put in place some contingencies and we did need to right some wrongs and that is what we are doing Um, you know cutoff times whether they (laughs) were right or wrong it was advertised in advance I think this comes down to people who expect a cutoff you know, to be in the same place at the same time year after year, mm. and maybe they didn't properly check the guides. Um, my understanding is that it was well advertised, but it wasn't what was normal. And so, you know, maybe people didn't read the fine print. So in terms of the information that was put out by comrades for cut-off times, that was stuck to, and it was exactly. more of a, a misunderstanding? Yeah, so it seems to have been that, you know, they weren't the traditional cut-offs because the distance was different. Mm. And so things did change, but those changes were advertised, but perhaps they weren't picked up and maybe we so didn't communicate I, it properly. I think, that, yeah, that's also an important point. You know, I think Comrades is so massive and there's there's so many small groups around the country that form up and, um, you know, start spreading all the information. And, and, and a lot of people that have run, you know, a lot of Comrades, I think there's a lot of, 
for you guys, it must be a challenge because there's a lot of information that obviously gets circulated and people will often believe what they want to hear. Um, but maybe just a point to always refer back to information coming directly from comrades itself, sort of in terms of, you know, the actual information. And also, I think that's why obviously every year you don't find, you don't know what the root distance is at this point because that gets measured on a yearly basis. So obviously that then affects where and how long the cutoffs are. Is that correct? That's correct. So how... how Talk to us about that. I mean, now the the route distance, because it's an interesting race, right? It's an it's an ultra marathon, so you know that ultra marathons, ultra marathons. If they if they say it's going to be this long, you can kind of bargain on a, a k or two on either side of that. Mostly, most of the time, it's always over it. Um, Comrades is an interesting one because obviously it's got these these strict cutoffs for certain silver, bill row, and you know finisher. But you know you might be trying to finish a comrades that's ninety one k's the previous year that may have been eighty six k's. So obviously, how does that work? How does the route change from an up to a down, and and how does that affect the distance as well? Yeah, so I mean, these are one of the the weird things that makes comrades comrades is that there's no guarantees in terms of distance, and you you know most of the routes, vast majority of the routes, going to stay the same, but there will be minor changes. Um, you know, there is a change to the finish this year. Um, although we're finishing at the same location, the route to the finish is different to what we've had previously, and that will obviously affect the distance. And and that's just part of the thing that makes. The race what it is um but yeah whether you're going up or down you always start in the same place you may not finish in the same place and as you go along your merry way you may or may not encounter roadworks which require a detour or or things like that um so this year our estimated race distance is almost exactly 88 kilometers um that is subject to being <laughs> measured um the official measuring. The official measuring. <laughs> Me, according to Google Maps, is 88. <laughs> um, but yeah. don't listen to that one, guys. Don't refer yes. back to Anne's <laughs> podcast episode of Making a Runner. You said it was 88. <laughs> but um, just to your point about information is we've actually really started to brainstorm ways of communicating proper information to athletes. And one of the ideas that we are thinking about is creating a pre-race video which has your final race instructions in a video and oral format so that people who perhaps don't read or don't pick up your those long two pages of final race instructions with literally nobody reads but actually contains important information you'd be surprised like no, only the diehards <laughs> read that thing. But, you know, now you'll be able to get it in a link before the race. You can watch it on your phone, on your tablet. It will also be streamed at the expo on repeat so that, that we really are making an effort I to make sure everyone gets it. Hire a plane, drop pamphlets yeah, yeah. <laughs> across no. the route. All along the route. Yeah. Pretty yeah. sure that's not environmentally <laughs> friendly. <laughs> or do biodegradable yeah. pamphlets. But, and I mean, last, last year we saw such a fantastic race, especially on the men's side of it i mean the ladies side was was a great race had around a fantastic blistering time i know you say you were disappointed with your time but a 642 is a pretty solid time i know i know it's not what you expect for yourself but what can we expect this yet can we expect 
the same heated races up front. Obviously, there hasn't been an uprun in such a long time. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, but do you think it's still going to be very much dominated uh, on the men's side, uh, Ned Bank machine race, or can we can we expect some outliers from your from your educated perspective? <laughs> so I'm really hoping that the races are even more competitive. We definitely look at targeting international competition, so not necessarily the Green Dream team. I'd like to see see some really nice foreign internationals (laughs) coming in and we are proactively recruiting international athletes to come and make the race more competitive. Um, We have some really hot names on my list of top athletes coming, which if I can get them to comrades (laughs) will literally be a game changer. I'm super excited. I cannot tell you who they are right now. That's fine. Um, All fair, don't worry. But also we are making a real effort to respond to runners' requests for increased prize money. We're particularly looking at doubling the prize money available Mm. for breaking the record, which obviously is a massive incentive. Um, So I've had to work the route as long as possible because obviously we don't want to have to. (laughs) No, I'm joking. (laughs) There's the truth. No, I'm joking. 88 is not unreasonable. Um, But yeah, we are are really looking at at bolstering that prize money. We are investigating. What was the the prize money? Sorry. So it was a million rand for breaking the record. A million for winning? Right? Uh, 500. No, 500. So we're looking into a million for a win. And then doubling that now. And a million for the the record. Yeah. That will make a big difference. So that's really, we've been asked about it year after year after year, and we still don't have that sponsorship secured, but we are working very hard to make that happen. So people think we don't listen to the feedback, well, but we really do. Everybody always wants more money. I mean. no, that's that's very interesting though, because I always wonder like what what are the knock on effects of like the big ultras in our country? You know, like we've got oceans, we've obviously got comrades. I mean, it's arguably those are the biggest race in our country by country mile. I mean, you've got the marathons that are trying to catch up, but anywhere else in the world, marathons are. The, the thing, you know, we're just crazy in South Africa where marathon's not enough. Marathon, you run your first marathon as a qualifier and then you run <laughs> your, your second marathon as a training run towards these ultras. Um, I mean, obviously increasing the prize money and all of that has a huge role to play in the type of athletes that you can attract, especially the international athletes. But how will that affect the, the local running scene, do you think, in terms of like the, the smaller races and the marathons that are trying to get big numbers but can't secure the type of sponsorships that Comrades gets? You know, the whole system, unfortunately, and this is going to sound like a moan, but <laughs> the whole system in South Africa is skewed because we have inadequate sponsorship of athletes. And so athletes are relying on prize money to make their bread and butter. And so, you know, then what? You run one race, you don't win, you don't get a big payout. Whereas overseas, you can run, you know, two, three marathons a year. There's significant prize money, but there's also significant sponsorship available. So you get paid regularly just to train. Here, you have to win to get paid. Um, And so what is our biggest, what is our biggest marketing event in the road running calendar? It's comrades. So Mm. that's where the money is. Mm. If, if there were um, more televised races, if there was greater marketing opportunities through smaller races, that would incentivize greater sponsorship and investment in the races. So I think it has to be a trickle down is that let us lead as comrades and then let us try and show what kind of marketing opportunities there are available in road running and let that trickle down to Mm. bolstering the overall road running segment. And I mean, 22,500 runners 
that's that's a lot of runners. Um, what is the capacity do you feel that Comrades has? I mean, in your wildest dreams, what do you think that this race can get to? And also, obviously now, this year's the organization, I'm sure you're already starting to think about the following years ahead. I mean, where's your head going with how you can grow the race, how you can grow the sponsorships of the race and how you can get more athletes involved? So at the moment, everything that we're doing is in the build-up for 2027, which is our 100th race. Sure. So everything that we're rolling out from this year is testing basically our bumper edition that will be 2027. Mm. So whatever idea I have now for the 100th running is we're starting to trial and test it now. So you can expect to see changes coming through from that perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, the numbers is a big question. Um, my in, During my interview process, a number floated with 35,000 athletes. Can we handle 35,000 athletes on the road? My knee-jerk reaction is no ways. There's just not enough space on the road. But it would be possible, but in order to make it possible, you'd lose a lot of the things that make comrades comrades. So, for example, you'd have to do staggered starts. If you do staggered starts, then you lose the cutoffs. Then you potentially don't get the different medals. Um, you know, so those are ideas that we're thinking around. And if we were going to deal with a substantially bigger field, would it still be comrades? Yeah, Apart from exactly. running from A to B, you know, and then then what's the trade-off? Um, and those are things that we're grappling with at the moment. And do you think if you left the op the inches open for long enough, you would get to that thirty-five thousand? No, I don't think so. I think I don't think that it's an enjoyable race experience to be running, brushing against someone's sweaty shoulder, front, back, and center for ninety kilometers. Like I wouldn't want to do it. Um, <laughs> and and the road congestion and the port to lose. Like there's yeah. a lot of things that go. It's just that would be gross for me. But if there's a way that we can manage it more safely and make it a, a, a pleasant experience for everyone, like, sure, let's investigate it. I need to send you a video that I saw the other day. It was, I think it was a Dubai marathon. Have, have you seen it? I have not seen it. I think there were 60,000 runners and there's a video of the start. <laughs> and you just watch it and you think, how are people not actually dying? Because <laughs> it looks like a stampede. <laughs> but... So, I mean, if they can do it. Uh, I'll go for the exclusivity <laughs> element and yeah. keep it. But then also it becomes difficult if you keep the numbers low, you keep them exclusive, eventually you have a cutoff. And eventually as road running, the popularity grows, which is what we're seeing with road running. I mean, how many people are you coaching or David's coaching that their long-term plan is they want to get to comrades? Like we're just going to see that number get to a point where now you have people that are going for 10, 20 they may struggle to get into the race. So it, it, it's going to be difficult to manage mm. either either way. It's, there's no simple answer. That's why you sit in the hot seat. Yeah, I mean, and the, <laughs> thankfully the board gets to vote on this, so I'm not the <laughs> only one responsible. Um, no, but I mean, these are these are real questions that we, we're grappling with at the moment. We have a board strategy meeting at the end of January where we will putting all these ideas to vote. Is it, is it a race we want to grow in size? If so, these are the changes that have to happen. Is everybody on board with that? If we're not on board for that, are we going to keep it small? Is everybody comfortable with that, bearing in mind that our sponsorship will be limited, our TV coverage will be limited, et cetera, et cetera. So this board meeting at the end of January really is going to determine the future of the race, and I'm, I'm excited to see what comes out of it. Well, speaking of the TV coverage, I mean, last year it was, it was, an it was the best TV coverage that I've seen on Comrades with the split screen between the ladies' race and the men's race. Can we, can we expect to see bigger things and even greater things uh, from a TV coverage? Or is that kind of like where the TV coverage is at right now? 
No, so I think, you know, it was Super Sports first year and they did do a really fantastic job. Um, obviously, again, um, being being the new kid on the block, they wanted to do bigger, better and really leave their mark. And I think they very successfully did that. Yeah, I mean, I think that going into 2024, they'll obviously have learned from their experience. In 2023, we actually have a route recce on the 1st of February to discuss content, positioning of cameras, etc., um, the ladies only channel maybe wasn't the the best option. Um, you know, I think that it drew viewers away from mm. the main channel mm. and perhaps it's better to just have a split screen race, but we are brainstorming that as well. My real focus uh, this year as being part of the elite race is to make sure that everybody has really accurate information mm. about the front of the race because it's it's horrible when an athlete shows up and you're like, oh, it's uh, Sandra Soap and yeah. um, she's from, I don't know, <laughs> Ireland. And yeah, she's got a great marathon qualifying time. Yeah. Like, no, we've got to have really like vital information that's circulated to all the media and to Supersport to make sure that people have a lot of really interesting things to talk about. Um, another really cool addition that we're doing is we're going to have live tracking on bikes um, with Garmin Live Track, so oh. that you could have a bike running next to Gerda and a bike running next to Carla, and you'll be able to know exactly how fast they're running, and is someone speeding up, and is someone slowing down, oh. and now the splits are getting bigger or faster, or whatever it is. So you're going to have real live action, live information that will be available to Super Four on the screen, which is going to make the tracking <laughs> really exciting. Do you, do you ever think? I know this I've been asked before, and I thought about it. What a great idea! I mean, there was times where you'd watch the Tour de France and you're watching the guys, and then it comes on the screen. Yeah. So and so wattage, 400 watts. This is their heart rate. Do you think that road running, and especially a, a landmark race like Comrades, could get to that point where we are seeing that live data, not just the pace that they're running? So, I mean, in order to have that type of data, you'd have to have the athlete consent I'm, to carrying yeah. it. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to carry anything <laughs> that I don't have to carry Maybe over these, 80. Maybe these Garmin things will Maybe, start to get yeah. there. So, I mean, you'd have to look at the technology. Um, yeah, I certainly <laughs> wouldn't want to carry anything, but yeah. And uh, so, I wanted to ask about Supersport. Obviously, I think one of the most exciting things about Comrades is the build-up um, because it's just infectious, especially in KZN. Um, it's like all you can talk about for a solid month. And then Supersport comes out with the build-up on, on um, obviously, Supersport channels. Is that going to continue this year? I mean, the content that they put out last year was just, it was unreal, you know, because it's just, it's something, I think last year was, it was a seven-day, every single day it was seven days of, of content. And there was that documentary done. And there was the documentary. So for me, I mean, that's like, you know, you, uh, you invite your friends over, your family over, and you like sit down and watch what I'm about to do. <laughs> it's just awesome. So is that going to continue? And is there, is there ideas of improving on that? Because I don't really know how that can get much better, but it was just done really well. And I think that's what Supersport are good at. Mm, 100%. I think I really do think that Supersport did a fantastic job and I'm sure that they're going to roll out a similar type of um, you know, plan Build for up, 2024. Yeah. Um, we have been uh, really careful to include great content of our own. So one of our big focuses for this year is the inclusion of advice and information from who we call the local legends. So I like to pull in previous winners, people um, who've run, you know, more than 40 comrades, people who really know about the race and have some value add. And we're encouraging interviews and collaborations with those types of people to really funnel great information and great content down. So I think that's yeah. really exciting. 
Um, yeah, and then also as part of our build-up, we now have a monthly podcast um, with Jane Lindley Thomas, um, which also is interviewing the legends. We're also doing some race um, organization stuff, sponsor stuff, etc. As part of the comrade, as part of the sp- super sports stuff, we also do interviews with charities. Because I don't know about you, but I never really paid attention to charity, and mm. so I don't really know what they do and where the money mm. goes. And so it doesn't really incentivize massive investment. But we're really making sure that our charities get showcased more. And especially charities along the route as well. Um, so I think that we are really trying to add a lot more value. Maybe and just chat to us briefly about the charities because obviously as you enter for Comrades, that's one of the things that pops up. Like where do you want to sponsor? Is, is there some charity that you would like to donate to? Like how do those work? And I know that there's a whole lot. Yeah, so there's six official charities and they work on a rotational basis. So every three years we do a little bit of a spin around um, to make sure that like everyone gets a turn and everyone gets exposure. But we have um, a board subcommittee that oversees charities as well as as ROC members that assist with that. And we, um, sorry, and a full-time staff member who also works on the charities. And basically, we obviously encourage investment through um, through donations, through the entry process, but we also give a portion of our race um, earnings to charities, any of leftover stock we give to charities, any T-shirts, kit, anything like that also goes to charities. But basically, they have an opportunity to come and leverage off Comrades the Race um, to get people to run for them to to raise additional funds, to showcase their charities by using our media, social media, super sport coverage, etc. Um, and then also to be able to to sell things through Comrades in order to generate income. Um, and yeah, they do pretty well. I'd like them to do a lot better. Mm. And we are we are looking at a, a couple of cool things to do with charities this year. Awesome. Brilliant. And I mean, before we get on to, I want to ask you some specifics about the actual race and from your point of view, your perspective as a coach and as an elite runner, um, the training element of it. But just before we get to that, you obviously, having come on since November, you've, you've felt how you know the, the race has developed do you believe that you guys are on track for hosting the best version of the race yet and taking the right steps in the right direction towards that 2027 goal yeah I mean I really had to jump like straight into things starting in November because we had the launch on the 7th of November so I literally <laughs> had less than a week to prep for the launch and then the following week we had all our sponsorship pitches where I basically had to pitch race ideas to sponsors get buy-in and get additional support and um, and during those sponsor meetings I did raise like all my hair brand ideas and I was like we could do this and we could do that and what about this and um, and they were so well received and the sponsors have fully come on board with really cool stuff that's going to modernize and just huge innovations for the race I mean for example we've had multiple requests for ladies only bathrooms along the route and at the start at the finish that will be introduced we, yeah, we're having the elite race, obviously, is something that I'm really focused on. So there's huge innovations coming in there, you know, from sort of separate registration queues, increased um, size of the PMB registration venue to try and uh, alleviate Durban congestion, a much bigger um, maxed elite product range at really competitive prices. Um, I mean, I've signed off on T-shirt designs, running shoe designs, 
It's a really great kit, um, and I think that we just have huge innovations coming in. Introduction of e-bikes on the route to get away from so much traffic to improve the air quality around the athletes. Mm. Um, we'll be adding nine elite water stations along the route so that all athletes, whether or not they have local support, will be able <laughs> to leave their bottles along the route. Pete will be happy for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've been in touch. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, seriously, we really are trying to, to up our game um, and particularly to attract more, more of the top-range internationals. And I think... I really do, I mean, yeah, I really think this is going to be a fantastic year. I'm super excited about it. We, I, can, I can see yeah, you. I can see it. We got it on the camera <laughs> here. I think that's going to be the, the catching phrase over there. I want to quickly ask, um, talking of the elite race, the qualifying times for elite runners was published the other day. And one in particular that was quite interesting was the female elite qualifying time, which is, if you put it down to a marathon terms, it's sub three hour marathon. Um, and th that for me was, you know, it's, it's obviously not an easy qualifying time. It's 2.59.59. But do you think that there's going to be an increased field this year? Um, uh, w was it the same qualifying time as previous years? So it's always been 2.59.59. Mm -hmm. Then I just didn't know that. I just made a point for no reason, David. I'm not making a point. I retract <laughs> my statement. No, so let me tell you about the elite. What we See, tell me. <laughs> what we... Um, We've had an unpublished list of criteria in the past, and mostly that was known by um, the pro teams, the elite clubs. And oh, so they now you just made it public. No, yeah, no, but they <laughs> kept that information to themselves, which meant that what we didn't have a level playing field at the front of the race, and certain athletes got benefits and other athletes you didn't. See. And so we needed to, in terms of the revised ASA rules, there were new ASA rules adopted from the 25th of November, um, but already from last year, we have to make public our elite seating qualifications for everybody. Times for everybody so that everybody knows. Okay, that seems fair. If you're a guy, you, to be an elite, you have to run a 229. Yeah, if you're that, a girl <laughs> and you want to be an elite, you have to run a sub three. Okay, And we've now published all those times so that people can see where they stand. It's good. It incentivizes good performance. Because if you run a, a, a sub three hour marathon as a female, then you, just, you deserve to also stand up there with the elites and not just a batch, right? So the way that we look at it is basically looking at the top 20 athletes over the last five years. What time? did you have to qualify in to, you know, Finish to be there. in the top 20. Yeah. And we went back and we checked all the qualifying times and we worked out. And I also compared to two oceans, what were their qualifying times and what were their finish times. And those were, those were the parameters within which we operate. So in la the ladies' qualifying times should be faster, okay. but we're not there yet. Okay. So I have to have it big enough to be inclusive mm. of all potential gold medal contenders. And for the men, similarly, we have a much faster men's field, so the time has to be smaller. And then you have to make sure, are all my top contenders going to be in this marathon qualifying? Yes, they are. Okay, well, those are the criteria. But as the race gets faster, and it is getting faster, mm. yeah, those times down, yeah. are going to come down, especially see, in the ladies' yeah, race. Yeah, but see, yeah, 2.29 for the men. Like, I got my hopes up soon. <laughs> Sub three for female. <laughs> Let me look at like men, 2.29. I would never run a 2.29. But I want to stand up there. Next to Gada, especially. But the question is, are you a gold medal contender? No. So then absolutely. you can't be an elite. Yeah. I can't have baby <laughs> on the front of the shirt there. But and enough about the organization. 
obviously all of this organization is taking a hell of a lot of time away from your actual training. And I, I did a little bit of snooping and I saw that you haven't entered this year. <laughs> so obviously, um, I mean, Tell us it a little. Could, it could be a substitution. Yeah, maybe. Maybe she's gonna she's gonna have have everything sorted out by next month, and she's gonna just come in yeah. hot. But tell us about your running and where it's at currently. And I'm sure that you're still gonna have. Obviously, it's an active role in the race from the organizing perspective, but also from the athletes that you coach. Yeah. So um, I I'm yeah I'm heartbroken to not be running. Um, not being able to run my favorite race on the calendar really has been devastating. But uh, yeah, I am not physically able to run the way that I would like to run because of a back injury that I sustained in 2019. Um, and it's incredibly frustrating for me to pour my life into my running and not get the results that I know I'm capable of. So even last year, I did over 3,000 Ks worth of training in the build-up to the race. I did everything that I was supposed to. And then I lined up on race day and my body just would not respond. I just could not do what it was supposed mm. to do. And then it's not worth the investment. So, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating also to kind of stop running on nine, right? Because I'm just like, one away from my green number, which yeah, is particularly <sighs> irritating. But I'm not saying I'm never going to run it, but I can't try and run it as an elite. I mm. can run it. I can run it as a non-elite. And so when I feel comfortable doing that, I will run it as a non-elite. Um but I love the race and I was never not going to be involved. So David's still running. He's still super mm. competitive. Um, he's running his 13th this year. And yeah, I mean, I want to be able to support him. I mean, I have to get up anyway in the morning when he wakes up to do his <laughs> training, right? So, um, yeah. so I'm still training. I'm still active. But I've moved to um, trail running. Trail running dates don't tend to conflict with comrades. Um, <laughs> so I can still do my training and get my high and it's not as problematic for my back. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I'm doing trail running. And yeah, so far really enjoying it, although it's a little bit muddy for my liking at the so, moment. So UTCT? Yeah, so I'm hoping to run my second UTCT. I've entered UTD. Um, I'm awesome. hoping to run the Carclew 50 miler. Awesome. Um, yeah, Go so back and defend your title. Yeah, so I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm just doing something to stay active and be competitive. And yeah, and trail running doesn't really hurt my back, so that's fine. That's super interesting. Um, trail running hurts my back. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe check your packs yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I mean. Obviously, that, that's great to hear that you're still involved. I mean, obviously, you're going to be supporting your hubby on race day. And I'm sure all the athletes that are out there that you, that you do coach. Um, just some quick advice for the guys that are like Davey, who have never run an uprun before, but have, uh, have done comrades twice now. And what would be your one piece of advice for an uprun? Sure. You know, those first 30Ks will make or break the rest of your race. So you've really got to be conservative until you get to Hillcrest is my number one number one tip. You really should barely be sweating by the time you hit Hillcrest because otherwise the rest of your race is going to be suffer fest. Um, yeah, and then just in terms of the training, um, I know everybody says that the down run is about leg strength, but so is the up. You cannot neglect your strength training and particularly <laughs> upper body strength for, for the up Upper run. body. Yeah, that driving motion. Hey, hey Davey, you're in trouble, Mom. Um, At the moment, i got yeah. no strength training, so just well, be get picking onto your, your coach. I mean... Nah, you know. I'm a part-time coach nowadays <laughs> for Davey. Actually... 7 p.m. but between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. at night time, that's Monday, when I get him. He evening. slips in there. What's the track set tomorrow? That's all I'm good Only for. Only on right a Monday now. evening. But, <laughs> but either way, so 
I want to find out from you in particular, um, because obviously your race times have been extremely fast at Comrades, obviously winning in 2018 with a, with a 610. Um, the last down run before that in 2016, you ran a 707. Um, what, what did you change in your training <laughs> yeah. to go almost an hour faster? And um, maybe someone can, can listen to that and be like, mm, I'm going to try to do that. Yeah, you know, I mean, everything changed. Um, when I was running 710, I was running five days a week. I was working full-time as a corporate attorney. Um, I didn't follow a particular diet. I was literally hairy casual coaching myself. No strength training. No strength training. <laughs> like literally Good just minding my business. Um, and yeah, that was cool. Um, but I then joined um, John Hamlet when at the end of 2016 and I said to him if I can run a 707 off like almost no training and only one long run like imagine what I could do if I train properly I feel like I'm missing out and he was <laughs> like what of um, <laughs> and I, unfortunately that involved like a fundamental change to my life and that I really was training seven days a week at least twice a day like my diet got completely overhauled. I made sure that I was supplementing. I did a lot of high protein, um, you know, eating mm. very low fat, um, all the stuff. I was doing all the things. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, and then, Fair enough. you know, so people are like, oh yeah, you just like overnight became a new person. Sensation. Well, no. <laughs> I worked for this. Yeah. People don't see the hard work. No. But that's why I'm glad that we were able to get you on here today to actually chat about the hard work that goes on behind the scenes. Um, because, you know, you rock up to the race. Most people don't even know. I mean, they've signed up to Comrades. They have no idea what Comrades actually is. They have no idea what a, what a huge event it is unless you're in the running community. They, they quickly get a, a wake-up call when they arrive at that registration day and they realize, yo, this is much bigger <laughs> than I've ever been to any other race. And it's great that we were able to share the back end of it um i really appreciate you coming on and telling us all these things and I, I'm, I'm excited for what the race has to bring and if there's any like parting comments that you want to leave for for people listening to this that are lining up for comrades this year under your, your uh, sort of race uh guidance. A, a guidance what would you say to them sure i would say that this is the beginning of a beautiful <laughs> journey <laughs> of addiction to long distance <laughs> road running. Because once you come and run this race, you're gonna wanna do it every single year. And you can't stop at nine, eh? No, <laughs> not even at nine with a back injury. <laughs> you have to carry on. No, but really, Comrades is one of those races that you absolutely have to do at least twice. You gotta do an up, you gotta do it down, and then you're almost at 10, so that's just keep that's going. That's what I told my wife. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's a race that will teach you things about yourself, for sure. Brilliant. And thank you so much. Can't wait. Absolutely frothing for 2024. And what is the catchphrase for comrades this year? Oof. Nakanjani. Nakanjani, which means? No yeah. doubt. No doubt. Baby knows it. He's clearly an influencer for comrades. <laughs> influenza. Influenza. Yeah. Thank you, Anne. <laughs> thank you, Anne. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Making a Runner. We hope you enjoyed it and found value in the show. Don't forget to rate and leave a review on your favorite streaming platform. And remember to share with your running buddies. Follow our journey on our socials and feel free to engage with us on all things running. We wish you a pleasant run wherever the road or trail may take you. Bye for now.